Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. a listener right in and she had requested we do this story so i'm going to be doing tonight the driscoll hotel of austin texas awesome our sister city austin texas big shout out this is uh dedicated to one lillian joy uh she was our listener who wrote in and asked us to do the driscoll hotel so lillian this one's for you a little backstory on the driscoll hotel it was built in 1886 in austin texas by wealthy cattleman Colonel Jesse Driscoll. He bought the land that the hotel sits on in 1884 for $7,500. What a steal. Two years later, he spent roughly $400,000 or $92 million in today's coin to build the Driscoll Hotel. It opened on December 20th, 1886, and it was considered to be the finest hotel south of St. Louis. However, the following May, Driscoll was forced to close the hotel. Not many people could afford the luxurious hotel in a town that was still considered to be very much the wild, wild west. Plus, Driscoll had a very bad year with his cattle after many of them had died due to a harsh winter. So he had fallen on tough times financially and he could not afford to keep the hotel going. It is said that he actually gambled the hotel away to his brother-in-law, though some reports suggest that he just sold him the hotel. Only a few years later, Driscoll passed away from a stroke. He died broke. Oh, I know. What a terrible sad. life he had. I know. Such big dreams and nothing, nothing, nothing to show out for him. It. Yeah. So over the years, the Driscoll changed hands time and time again. And in 1995, after the hotel was purchased by the Great American Life Insurance Company, it was promptly closed for a four-year renovation that cost $30 million. That is a Whoa. long time to close a business that's not making you any money. And that's so, a lot of money. It's a then. lot of money. Their goal was to restore it to its original glory. So I think they wanted it to look exactly how it did in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had a huge celebration when they reopened it. And they reopened it on December 31st. 1999. Woo! Got a party like it's, like it's 1999. Yeah. So that's pretty sweet that they did it like that. Hyatt Hotels bought the Driscoll in 2013 for $85 million. And I believe that is who currently owns the hotel at this time. For a 134-year-old hotel, it definitely has collected quite a few ghosts over the years. I'll tell you that. The first ghost is said to be of Colonel Jesse Driscoll himself. His portrait hangs in the hotel lobby. People claim that when the colonel is around, they will smell his cigar smoke. He also appears to guests and staff as a full-bodied apparition. Ooh. Mm. He's pretty powerful. Yes, he is. A full-body <clears throat> apparition is hard to do. Yep, and he still can um, exude all that cigar smoke that he smoked back in the day. I wonder if the colonel also has a secret recipe for his <laughs> magical powers. Eat these self-fried chicken at the hotel? God, that sounds really good right now, doesn't it? There's another story of a little girl. Um, she was said to be the daughter of a state senator. She was playing with her ball on the grand staircase of the hotel when it bounced down the stairs. She went to chase after it, and she tripped and fell down the stairs to her death. 
Oh my people, God. I know, isn't that horrible? People claim they can hear a child's laughter on the stairs and the sound of a bouncing ball. There was even a painting of a little girl added to the hotel that many have claimed is the portrait of the girl who died. But as it turns out, the painting is just a replica of another painting entitled Love Letters by Charles Trevor Garlett. No one apparently knows who the little girl was or who her senator father was, as there are no records of this happening at the hotel. But it's still a great story. Yeah. That's so, weird, though, that they wouldn't know I it was read, from a senator. You know? I know. Well, I read so many different stories about the Driscoll, and they're all similar, but they have all of these little details that change. Mm-hmm. The senator daughter is typically in most of the articles, but no one really says who it is. And sometimes there's a name, but there's no way to verify. I mean, it's just kind of a weird, I don't really know, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go with it because it's a good story. Okay. Oh yeah, definitely. So then I learned about um, another room in the hotel called the Maximilian room. I watched a YouTube video that was shot by the history goes bump podcast. Cause they went to the Driscoll and they covered the Maximilian room. Actually they covered the hotel, but uh, they talked specifically- especially that room. Yeah, um, that's where I got most of my um, information for, for this story. It was originally the men's smoking lounge, and the room is lined with eight huge ornate mirrors that were bought in San Antonio for Empress Carlotta. Ooh. She was married to the Emperor of Mexico, Maximilian I, for whom the room was named. Unfortunately, Maximilian was captured and killed by another political competitor in Mexico, so Carlotta was never able to enjoy her mirrors. She had to flee after the death of her husband. She was devastated by his death. It is said that Carlotta haunts the Maximilian room, and people can see her reflection in the mirrors. Well, yeah, because she's trapped in all those mirrors. (laughs) We know that you don't hang up all those mirrors together. That's right, because it just traps the spirit's Mm -hmm. energy. They just bounce between mirror after mirror after mirror after mirror, like in a tunnel that goes on forever, right? So then, um, because the Driscoll Hotel is such a fancy hotel, it still is in Austin, a lot of celebrities will stay in Austin um, at the Driscoll Hotel when they're in town. Mm-hmm. So Annie Lennox, the uh, pop from the pop band Eurythmics, she's a lead singer. Um, you yeah. probably know that. Yeah. She stayed at the Driscoll, and she had a ghost experience. Apparently, she was going to perform in Austin that night, and she was trying to decide what she was going to wear. She had two dresses to choose from laid out on her bed. She decided to take a shower and then get dressed. When she came back out of the bathroom from taking the shower, one of the dresses was hanging in the closet. She had no idea how it got there. <laughs> but she decided The ghost chose for her. Yes. You're wearing she, this one. I'm putting yes, the other one back. Yes. She she decided the ghost was right and she wore the the dress that was left out for her. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of a fun I would uh, be so freaked out. I'm glad she, know. you know, was so calm about it. Yeah, well, yeah, you. like well, you know, she's analytics so she's super cool. I mean, yeah. 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 Here comes the rain again. Not in Austin. She yeah. she needs to sing that one in Portland. The lead vocalist from the band Concrete Blonde, Jeanette Napolitano, claimed that the lights in her room at the Driscoll Hotel kept flickering off and on when she was staying there. The band even produced a song about Colonel Driscoll named Ghost of a Texas Ladies Man as a tribute to the haunting. However, That's awesome. Yeah, isn't that great? The concrete blonde drummer was talking to Steen's drummer and told him about this story. Steen's drummer said, yeah, I know of a woman who was dealing with a ghost that would also flip the lights off and on at the hotel, but she was actually grabbed by the ghost. So a lot of celebrities or people close to celebrities can verify that shit's happened to people they know in this hotel. So that's kind of fun. 
there's another ghost. Um, his name is Peter Lawless, and he lived at the hotel for 30 years from 1886 to 1916. He is seen standing outside the elevator checking his watch. He wears old-fashioned clothing from his time period. People usually just get a glance of him as he disappears almost as quickly as he appears. So this guy rented a hotel room for 30 years. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he was. That's an expensive build. Maybe he was friends with the colonel and the colonel just let him stay there. Um, And then (laughs) some some deal was worked out there. Something happened. And then when the hotel was bought by the new person, they just never told him that that guy was living there and he just stuck around and just stayed. (laughs) Nobody knew (laughs) he was there. He's part of the help. Don't, Don't worry about that guy. Kind of like your house, Carol. You know, those people who are living in your house. Wait, you don't know because your house is so big, you never find them. (laughs) We just don't know. Before you figure it out. Yeah. I don't want to know. Even if there is somebody there, I don't want to know. Yeah. Yeah. There's just parts of the house I just won't go into. You shouldn't. No, you should leave those for the people who live there. (laughs) (laughs) So there's another ghost there called Mrs. Bridges. She was a front desk hotel employee from the early 1900s. People will see her walking to the middle of the lobby where the front desk used to be. She is dressed in clothing of her time, and she loves to rearrange the flower arrangements in the lobby, and people can smell roses when she is nearby. Oh, I like that ghost. Kind of, She's kind of pleasant, right? I would love somebody to like just make my house smell like roses all the time. I know. I know. So my last story about the Driscoll, I, I say for last because I think it's the most fun. It's called The Suicide Brides. And... Depending on Ooh. what internet story you you believe, <laughs> this happened in either room 525 or room 427. <laughs> they keep, every time I read a story about this, it's a different room number. So we're just going to bounce back and forth probably between those. both are haunted, so I'm people sure. can't get them straight. Probably, but they just keep changing the room number on me. The stories are loosely the same, but yeah, who knows? I don't really know. The story goes that there were two brides. Uh, one that was um, from the 1890s, she was jilted at the altar by her groom, and she went to her room, which was either room 525 or 427, and she hung herself. People have claimed to see her wandering the halls in her wedding dress. A hundred years later, and in the early 1990s, another Texas woman was dumped by her fiancé. Mm-hmm. Uh, this comes from a YouTube video someone took of an Austin ghost tour that I got this information. She decided to get her revenge by taking his credit cards and his car, driving herself to the Driscoll Hotel, and checking herself into room 525 or 427. She then went out for a big shopping day in Austin. She came back loaded down with shopping bags, spending around $10,000 of her ex-fiance's money. Retail therapy. <laughs> yeah, and revenge. Mm-hmm. All at the same time. How sweet. So she comes back from her shopping spree. She goes to her room and she takes out the do not disturb sign and she puts it on the outside of the door. She shuts the door. She has a gun with her. So she goes into the bathroom and lays down in the bathtub and she shoots herself in the stomach. And she has a pillow with her, which muffles the sound of the gunshot. So because nobody heard the gunshot and she had the do not disturb on the door outside, nobody found her body for three days. What a courteous suicide. Right. She didn't want to disturb any of the other guests. There are many sightings of her wandering the halls of the Driscoll Hotel, loaded down with shopping bags on her arms. Construction crews and other guests have reported seeing her. 
One story even recounts two women who ran into the bride. She was loaded down with shopping bags dangling from her arms while she stood in front of room 525 or 427, staring at the door but not moving. They asked her if the construction noise was bothering her. She looked at them and said, no, it doesn't bother me at all. But the energy in the exchange was very uncomfortable for the women. They felt like they had offended her, so they excused themselves and got out of there. It wasn't until the next day when they found out that nobody was staying in that room and the woman they had talked to was actually the ghost of the former bride-to-be. So creepy. <laughs> yeah. You guys want to hear something interesting real quick about yes, yeah, sure. uh, I was that that room 525 and 427. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you add them together, it equals 952. And if you divide it by that by two, it's 476. And then if you add 190, it equals 666. So I'm just saying. Okay, Rain Man, what if you, Rain Man, just freaking me out. Satan, it's the Satan. I don't know what any of that means, but yeah, think about it. So that are the ghost stories. And there's quite a few of them that I found from the Driscoll Hotel. So thank you so much, Lily and Joy, for thank recommending you, that story. Thank you. That's that's quite the hotel. That Just is. all that activity in one place. And the fact that the celebrities there yeah. all confirm it. Yeah, I know, right? Isn't that mm -hmm. fun? So I like that they had a little bit of a celebrity tie there. And I mean, maybe, Josh, you can throw in a little Eurythmics uh, for it. Yeah, Who knows? <laughs> Welcome to Scare You to Sleep. Do you love listening to podcasts to fall asleep to, but hate waking up to loud laughter or yelling? Are you also a fan of horror and scary stories? Then this is the podcast for you. Join me, Shelby Scott, as you curl up and relax while I read you a spooky bedtime story and listen to the gentle, yet somewhat unnerving sounds of all that go bump in the night. Hope to scare you soon. Well, this, this story leads me into someone else that is also into numbers, Josh, and that is Sarah Winchester. And many people are familiar with the famous Winchester House of San Jose, California. I love it. I went there when I was a kid and I was just talking to my mom about this today. She's like, I went there when I was in high school. I don't think I ever went back. I said, mom, I was there with you. She's like, I do not remember that. <laughs> I'm like, thanks a lot. I remember that story very, or that trip very well. Thank you very much. You know, uh, my husband went there too as a kid mm -hmm. and it's one of those places where if you go, I think you definitely will remember that you've been there. I sure do. I remember the staircases going up to the ceilings and, and it was oh. crazy. Just wild. Well, this is just such a crazy house. So I do definitely have to talk about it because it's very haunted and it's known for its very odd architecture. And did you know at one time, Holly, it covered over 166 acres? Wow. Shit. It said that the house was under construction continuously for 38 years, and it Jeez. was designed by Sarah Winchester, who was said to be haunted by ghosts who wanted restitution from their untimely death. And most people who are familiar with the story knows that Sarah married William Winchester, whose family of New Haven 
became very wealthy for its manufacturing of the Winchester rifle. And this rifle was known as the gun that won the West. So it was used by Annie Oakley and other famous cowboys. And it was responsible for many of the battles used against the Native American Indians and also used in the Civil War. Hmm. So this company developed and produced a repeater rifle that could shoot bullets several times in a row. And from 1873 to 1916, it said that more than 700,000 guns were sold. Wow. But to really appreciate this house and the crazy stories associated with its owner, we have to understand the story of Sarah herself, her upbringing, and her marriage. So Sarah was born into high society, and she grew up surrounded with luxury and the best education. She was said to have been a prodigy because she spoke four languages fluently by the age of 12, and she was also very beautiful. Her nickname was the Belle of New Haven. So she was hot and smart. (laughs) She was an accomplished musician, too, who loved to play my favorite instrument, and Josh's, too, the organ. Um, She also had great aptitude for mathematics and science. God. Usually somebody is a prodigy in one one type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like usually it's music or it's science, but she's got like both. That's Mm -hmm. like genius level. That's crazy. I mean, it's not crazy. It's amazing. But she had a lot of uh, potential. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like during that that time, she was fortunate in the fact that because of her education, she really got the most of her talent and the most of her gifts. And I'll, I'll get into that even a little bit later. But soon after Sarah and William got married, a set of tragedies followed. The birth of their daughter, Annie, was unfortunate because it was discovered that the baby suffered from malnutrition from a rare disease, which prevented the body from metabolizing proteins. So the baby died at only six weeks old. And this caused Sarah to become really depressed. She stopped going to many social functions, barely leaving the house. And then only after a few short years of marriage, her husband, William, suddenly got sick. And after a long, long fight with illness, finally died from tuberculosis in 1866. And Mm. Annie herself was also plagued with very painful arthritis. So she became very superstitious that her misfortunes might be connected to her husband's wealth of blood money. So she sought the guidance of a well-known medium who claimed to have channeled her husband's spirit and told her a powerful curse was cast from all the deceased people who wanted revenge for their lives being taken from this powerful rifle. And the medium then told Sarah that the only way to prevent her own demise and early death was to move to California and spend the inheritance she received on building a new luxurious home for the ghosts. And this was convenient for Sarah because some of her relatives had already settled in California. And the medium told her that once the house was finished, she would surely die. So it was suggested just to keep building nonstop if she wanted to prolong her life. And this was really realistic for her, considering that she was actually receiving a daily income now because she was the sole heir of the company because not only did William die, but William's father also died. So from the shares she owned from her husband's company of what would equal today's amount of $26,000 per day, Um, And she also, on top of that, had an inheritance of an additional 512 million by today's standards. She could definitely keep the building of this house going. Yeah. That's all 
amazing. I mean, it's amazing to me that a suggestion like this from a medium would be so powerful to her that she would go and do this. Um, I can see where guilt would drive somebody mm-hmm. to do something like this. Like if I was um, part of something and I'm not, you know, talking about guns or whatever, but if I was um, an inventor of a, of something that took people's lives, I think I would have a hard time dealing with that in my brain. Like my moral compass would be all skew. I think I always just assumed that she did this, this out of guilt because she was afraid that the ghosts of the, of the people that were killed by these guns were coming after her, which it sounds mm-hmm. like she was told. And, um, that that guilt was manifesting itself in this way. That's what I always just assumed was going on for her. Um, but I thought about it, like that would be a heavy thing to have on your conscience that, you know, you can create a weapon that can kill people, um, you know, but it can also protect people. It's not like it's purely evil. It does good things as well. So I, I don't know. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to wrap your brain around, I guess. Well, she also, you know, it, it could also be something else um, because she also had an odd obsession with numbers and certain symbols. And she designed her house with full on obsession with these prime numbers and symbology that it makes people think that there might be another theory that Sarah was actually more interested in testing out her newfound philosophies. Um, She was really into the Francis Bacon theology. She was into sacred geometry. Hmm. She also um, had an interest in esoteric groups like the Rosicrucians and the Freemasons. Her father was a Freemason. And it was also, um, like I said, the height of the spiritualism movement. She went to Yale and the theory was, is that she was exposed to people and friends who were free thinkers who encouraged her to think along these studies. Hmm. And it was, like I said, um, these prime numbers that she built her mansion uh, in designing it. And she hmm. also loved deciphering codes. Wow. The odd design of the house includes many secret passageways, stairways going straight into a ceiling, a mm-hmm. door that leads to a two-story drop-off. So that's pretty scary. An obsession with the number 13. So there were closets with 13 hanger pegs. There were halls with 13 ceiling panels. There were 13 holes in her kitchen drain. She was obsessed with the number 13. And a skylight she had um, built into the floor. She had rooms built within rooms. And there were 17 chimneys, 47 fireplaces, wow, 47 bedrooms. And at one time, the mansion had seven stories, but a lot of the house was destroyed after the earthquake that took place in 1906. So really? huh. what remains is mainly a four-story mansion now. But even okay. by that standard, even though a lot of it was destroyed, it's still a 24,000 square foot mansion. Yeah. And the home, get this, has 2,000 doors, 10,000 windows, 40 stairways, 40 bedrooms, Jesus. 13 bathrooms, oh six God. kitchens, three elevators, and two ballrooms and two basements. And that is a lot of house for one person. It's a lot of house. Do you know anything about sacred geometry or numbers or anything like mm-hmm. that? I mean, I just wonder if people, numerologists and sacred geometrists, if they were to study this house, what they would derive, what information they would get from it. 
Well, the the vibration of numbers is a whole new thing with sacred geometry. There, and I'll get into that. There's um, there's a theory also that she was designing this house to be a labyrinth puzzle for advancement into the spiritual realm because mm-hmm. they believe that these numbers vibrated. The universe has a number code, and if you can tap into it. Uh, with geometry or the way you build things, you can actually bridge the spiritual world. And she was interested in contacting spirits herself. She also believed that the number seven was very lucky. And she insisted on only holding 777 shares of company stock at any (laughs) given time. That's awesome. So then why focus on 13 if seven is a lucky number? Because I've always told 13 is an unlucky number. Well, 13 is also a number for um, a vibration vibration of spirits. That's why it's unlucky for some people. Besides this, there were explanations as to why she built the house this way. Um, And they vary from an attempt to confuse these haunting evil spirits who meant her harm, and also just to basically trap them in her house. So she loved windows. She's like the original Ghostbuster. She's trapping ghosts in her house. (laughs) She loved windows and she felt light angles were especially spiritual. And Mm. so she would have windows designed to cast rainbows over the room. And she also, Holly, you'd love this. She loved having spider web designs in her windows. With deadly spiders attached to them. (laughs) No, no, hopefully not. And she probably had them flown in from all over the world. The deadliest, the better. Like, let's get that Brazilian wandering spider in here right now. I mean, they even say that Tiffany probably designed some of her her mirrors and her windows and things like that. So I love that she she had had the money. I love that she had them set at certain angles to capture rainbow light. That is so cool. I didn't even know you could do that. I didn't even know. know that was a thing. That's so cool. It's love also it. said she would channel good spirits using a Ouija board or like a board with a planchet. They would direct her building plans every night in a room she designated as a blue room. Now, she never hired an architect. She wanted to do the designing herself. And nobody was allowed into this room but her. So she never kept a journal regarding her thoughts and the few letters to her family never mentioned her being haunted by ghosts. But the neighbors said that they could hear a bell tower that would chime at midnight and then again at 2 a.m. every night, which woke Sarah up so she could meet with the spirits in her blue seance room and then at 2 a.m. to signal the end of the meeting so that the spirits could then depart. A caretaker would be hired to take a secret passage up and ring the bell nightly. So this wasn't being done, you know, just automatically. So I I hope that she left him at least milk and cookies out for him on the (laughs) counter for him to do this. So the bell would ring at midnight and then again at 2 a.m. Yeah. So she every night she would get up and kind of be in this trance like state because she'd be in that grog state where you're still kind of tired. You had some sleep. Yeah. She'd go to her blue room, which is Mm -hmm. the seance room and meet with these spirits who would direct her to do the architectural design on the house. And she'd have new plans for the builders every morning of, you know what? They didn't like this. You need to redo this. You need to change that. You know, it's very frustrating. I think you and I would have been friends with her. 
She's awesome. <laughs> but not many people, aside from the household staff and necessary workmen, were ever invited into the mansion during Winchester's lifetime. And very few, if any, interior photographs were taken. She was a total recluse. There's only one photo of her found as an adult, and it is said she chose a different room to sleep in every single night so that the spirits <laughs> would be confused. And I just wonder if she just had a bad back. You know, she had arthritis, so she just was like, oh, I just got to have different, you know, mattresses each night. And Maybe she's like the princess in the pea. Yeah, she like might She can be. find a pea every time. She's just like, fuck this shit. I'm on to the next room. <laughs> right. And, you know, I, you know, waking up in a different bedroom every night, I mean, you've got to get disoriented, right? She yeah. might be like, shit, where's the bathroom? Oh, that's right. The only yeah. working bathroom is one floor down and to the right. And was she getting further and further away from her midnight ritual room? Like every time she spent in a night in a new bedroom, she'd have to figure out her way back. She'd up have to, to figure tower. out her way back. I mean, yeah. she'd have to be a prodigy just to find your way in the house. I mean, that might make sense why nobody saw her much. She was probably lost for a whole month trying to find her way back to the <laughs> one probably. working bathroom or to the front door. You know, by the time she got there, the guests left. They were like, we give up. But there's too many places for someone to hide, just like your problem. Like, I just want to be able to walk into a house and see everything and know that I'm by myself. If I'm in a house that's too big, it will be too much. I just, I'll be overwhelmed. I just want a small cottage-like situation. So back to the house. It is reported to be very haunted. There's famous psychics and ghost hunters from Sylvia Brown to Eric Van Prague, and all have done paranormal investigations in this home. Hmm. And many report sensing even Sarah's lingering spirit, who apparently sighs very heavily when guests hang around her favorite bedroom, which is called the Daisy Room. They're in the Daisy Room again. My favorite room. Just get out. Can you imagine being a recluse? And then you're like, great. I have all now these you're tourists now in my house. And because of your magnificent mansion that you built in a creepy right. way, everyone and now comes you're to your trapped house. as yeah. a ghost because yeah. of all the mirrors that yeah. you configured. It's her own fault. She did it to herself. Really. She did. Really, Sarah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Clyde, who's a carpenter from the past, who's made it clear to present day maintenance workers. He's still doing his job and doesn't need their help. And he's been reported to also show up wearing his coveralls in photographs that visitors take of the place. And of course, there's always the empty footsteps being heard. There are doorknobs that turn and people claim that they lose their eyesight temporarily, which, you know, God, that would just be a normal day for me. Yes. I, I Wait, would, what do you mean I they lose like, their eyesight temporarily? Do they like walk into a wall or something? Like, what do you, what no, happens? They, so what they, what they say is that like everything goes blurry, like they can't see. Really? And then all of a sudden it, the vision will come back. It's almost like they got floaters or something. I don't do know. They, do they start to fade Terrifying. away into nothing? <laughs> I don't know. No I one can't, finds them ever again. <laughs> I can't relate because most of my world is blurry anyway. I know. So. Mine too. Also, when a group of paranormal investigators from the Nirvana Foundation decided to stay the night, their recording equipment picked up the sound of the organ playing, which is very scary considering yes. there is still an organ, the original organ she played on, that sits in the main ballroom of the house. Nice. Nice. Awesome. That's very cool. The infamous 1906 San Francisco earthquake 
it did damage Winchester's home and it almost buried Sarah under the rubble. And it happened in April during our deadliest April calendar dates. Ooh, Holly, that is so great. Yeah, you know yeah. that. Well, I put I it didn't in even our, put that um, together. Yeah, it was in our um, earlier episode That's on right. April tragedies. Yeah, yeah. The 1906 San Francisco earthquake. Yep, yep. And they had to free her with a crowbar. So after that, she oh, wow. um, she didn't sleep in the house that much. After that, she slept in a nearby houseboat. So she had a houseboat also. And yeah. um, she still insisted, though, that the building must continue. And so it kept going. And anyway, it continued until 1922 when Sarah died of heart failure in her bedroom at the Winchester house at age 82. Wow. The construction abruptly stopped with the passing of Sarah. And it is said that you can even see the nails only driven halfway in when the worker stopped immediately upon hearing of her death. They were <laughs> like, like, thank God we are out of this shit. And this crazy ass lady and all her do this stupid designs and oh my God. Her, her sneering at me from the window going, that's wrong. The bars of San Jose filled up with happy carpenters everywhere. Like, thank God the witch is dead. I know. But I, you know, I don't think Sarah felt too guilty about using the money from all of this, you know, rifle inheritance she got because mm -hmm. through it all, she still kept earning money off the guns and she never shut the company down after her husband's death. So mm. some say it's because she wanted to keep people employed during an economic downturn. So they were thinking it's, it was actually her way of public service. Hmm. And when she died, she left a will and it was written in 13 sections, her favorite number. And guess what? She what? signed it. 13 times. Of course she did. Yes. Who'd she leave it to? Well, the belongings in Winchester Mystery House were left to her niece. Okay. She didn't mention the house at all in the will, <laughs> but Mary and I Marriott, who took what she wanted and auctioned off the rest, that's her niece, the house was then sold to a private investor at auction, and then it was leased to Johns and Maine Brown, who opened the house in 1923 to the public for tours, and cool. they eventually bought the home for around $135,000. But today, it's only worth about $2 million because of its functional obsolescence. Do you know what sure. functional obsolescence is? My guess is that it's just not a very well-made house. Like there's just, it doesn't right. function properly for a normal person. Exactly. Right. It's not built to code. I mean, it's not appropriate for the home styles of the area. And a lot of its features are inadequate or out of style. But the home is designated as a historic landmark in 1974. And it is listed on the National Registry of Historic Places. Cool. You'll love this. Hmm. They regularly invite tourists to come and participate in Halloween tours. And their famous Friday the 13th flashlight tour, which is at night. Yes. And shows some of the unseen areas of the house. That is awesome. So I guess I we know what we're going to do, do on Friday the 13th at oh, midnight yeah. with our flashlights. When is that Absolutely. this year? Actually, I think I, it already passed. It, it already passed. So it'll have to be next oh, year. Okay. Shoot. And they just opened it for tours, like with everything going on. Um, oh. They had it shut for a long time. Yeah. But they're just now reopening it to the public. Oh, um, good. Oh, cool. I would love to go back and go through that house again. That'd be really fun. And they have done all kinds of things. Um, I mean, it is kind of a bit touristy now, but I think it's a bit mm -hmm. ironic because the new owners have also added a shooting gallery in the attic, <laughs> considering the whole purpose of this house was to appease the deaths of the shooting victims. Right. Hey, that's weird. I mean- 
it's a laser tag shooting gallery. So maybe they get a pass on that. Oh, it's a laser tag. Okay. Yeah. I thought they were actually had Winchester rifles up there. I that mean, you would, like shoot. It's still targets. in bad taste in my opinion, because <laughs> yeah. it's a shooting gallery. Right. That's, I mean, yeah. But anyway, apparently Sarah really loved being an eccentric architect because there was an article I found and it was printed in the San Francisco call about another real estate project of hers that she had plans for. And it was going to be a medieval castle in San Mateo County. And the house, she said, um, she wanted it to be an imitation of beautiful baronies of feudal times. The call proclaimed it would be one of the most unique estates in California, and Winchester planned to have the castle with a moat and drawbridge, but she Mm. died without ever even starting the project. Mm. And I was thinking, Holly, maybe she became aware in her studies of the, you know, paranormal and spiritual activity that water was an especially powerful conductor of Yeah. Yes, ghosts spiritual energy. Spirit spiritual energy. And so she was like, you know. I'm bored of this house. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do a castle with a drawbridge and a moat with water. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to make Lancelot or what was the name of that castle with, um, oh my gosh. Camelot. Camelot. Thank you. She's like, I'm going to make my own Camelot and yeah. uh, it's going to be in California and it's going to be sweet. She probably was going to get a dragon. She probably and maybe was. a troll for underneath the bridge. Mm-hmm. It was going to be pretty And she'll awesome. have a round table and she's going to yeah. be the only person sitting there with her and then like 11 ghosts. She's going to invite a young boy with round glasses and a snowy white owl and a cape to come and live in that castle with her, I bet. That's right. And she'll start a school yeah. of wizardry yeah. and everybody will have to learn their all their prime numbers yes. by heart. They're going to have to know the energetic vibration of all numbers, especially Absolutely. 13. It's going to be pretty sweet. I can hardly wait for this mm-hmm. to happen. Wait, and there'll be dead. 13 levels of education. Yes, there yeah. will be. Yes, there will be. Uh, speaking of the number 13, do you want to hear some more fun? Josh, yes. yes. Tell me more. Yes. Tell yeah. me more. Tell us what you added up Here's now, this Josh. Interesting. This is going to freak you out. Okay. I'm already scared. If you multiply 13 by 40 and then you add 146... <laughs> Six six six, baby. Oh my god! My god, Josh. she was right. Sarah Winchester was right. She is the Satan. Wow. She is. She is manifesting yeah. some she was gateway connected. of demons. Yep. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so weird. <laughs> Two years later, he spent roughly $400,000 or $92 million in, oh my God, you guys. Are uh, are either of you interested in having uh, the nickname, The Colonel? That's a pretty cool <laughs> nickname. You know what, Josh? That's going to be your nickname from now oh, on. Oh, all right. Will be You're going to be The Colonel. All right. I w- <laughs> this worked out well. Right. Carol Holly and The Colonel are back at you <laughs> with Fireside Phantoms. Yeah. <laughs> I got to learn how to fry chicken, right? Every night I'm always sending him out to like, you know, what was that What's sound? That? Go what investigate. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many times he's had to get up in the middle of the night and check every corner of the house. He's a good I've husband. He's, he's a, a great husband. husband. How old was she when she died? You say she was 82? Mm-hmm. Did you know that if you multiply that by 13 and then subtract 400, <laughs> you get 666? You know, that is I don't even know. I don't, I just... It's all you there. have found. Wow. You have found the key. 
as the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts, and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode.